What, pray tell, is a miracle? When we use the word, if we use the word, to what are we referring? Is it a useful word to use? Does it describe something that cannot be captured by any other word? Is it something that we should pursue, look for, learn from? How does it overlap and how might it differ from mystery? As with every sermon, (laughs) I'm reminded that words are amazingly useful and adaptable and multifaceted, yet imperfect carriers of meaning. Especially when we enter the realms of mystery and miracle and love and hope and all that stuff we talk about so much here. That doesn't mean words are bad. It doesn't mean that I give up on them. I don't. It means only that I remember, to borrow a metaphor from the Zen tale, that a word can only direct toward what I wish to express. It is a finger pointing toward the moon. So in that sense, one might ask, to what are we pointing when we use the word miracle? Depends on who's pointing, right? I turned first to the Catholic Church because I realized that they would have a precise approach to defining miracles as they have a practical stake in the matter for a variety of reasons. (laughs) One of those reasons is that miracles are one of the requirements for sainthood. Although this requirement has apparently been relaxed over the years from three to two to now one under Pope Francis. A 2016 article by Carlo Brossard on Catholic Answers defines miracle in a Catholic context as, quote, an extraordinary, sensible effect wrought by God that surpasses the power and order of created nature. There is a Vatican-appointed miracle commission composed of theologians and scientific experts that purportedly sift through thousands of miracle claims, the overwhelming majority of which are medical miracles, according to the self-described miracle hunter, Michael O'Neill. The commission then designates these claims as not worthy of belief, and in that case, it is established that there is nothing supernatural involved or nothing contrary to the faith where supernatural intervention is not confirmed, but there is nothing in the claim that is contrary to the faith or morals. And finally, approved. The supernatural intervention is declared worthy of belief, but belief is not required by members of the Catholic Church. What is common to all of these, however, is that they are pointing to something beyond what we know as the natural world. Miracles for the Catholic Church must have a supernatural element, an intervention into the natural. This, I think, has become a pretty common understanding throughout our culture. Though we may use the word loosely in casual conversation, 
comments like, she went to bed so late, it's a miracle she got up this morning. (laughs) We hold the understanding that a real miracle points to something more, something rare, something outside. Now here's what gets me about miracles pointing beyond the natural world. It's as if we had listened to the call to worship today, picturing that beautiful blue-green world born out of a smallish star in that universe of billions and billions of stars, stars beyond imagining, that cosmos which began in shining blackness, out of nothing, out of fire, out of a single silent breath, realizing that that world where red-winged blackbirds fly and sperm whales swim and crocuses bloom and wind blows to lift the tiniest hairs on naked arms in spring and onions grow in the dirt and mountains reach into the sky and animals and elements and plants and imagination abound. It is, is as if presented with this picture and realizing that this is indeed my home, the very place I am standing and breathing and living each day, it is as if, full of that recognition and asked for my response, I would say, yes, and? (laughs) Isn't there more? Isn't there something beyond all this that will truly cause my jaw to drop? I mean, what you described is all just, Natural. Don't you have something really miraculous? That, I think, is what Peter Mayer addressed in his song, Holy Now. He was taught in his religious upbringing that supernatural things can be miraculous, but that natural things cannot. He was taught, I'm assuming in more of a Protestant vein, that the age of miracles was over. He comes to quite a different conclusion. When I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time Moses split the sea in two and Jesus made the water wine. I remember feeling sad. Miracles don't happen still. But now I can't keep track because everything's a miracle. Wine from water is not so small, but an even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. So the challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles, but finding where there isn't one. And perhaps I'm simply quibbling over linguistics. If we allow that miracle is simply as theologian and Narnia creator C.S. Lewis wrote in his book on miracles, interference with nature by supernatural power, maybe we simply have to find another word to describe the natural wonders that Victoria Safford and Walt Whitman and Gordon McKeeman and Peter Mayer speak of. Yet a stubborn part of me does not wish to concede. The first definition from dictionary.com, where else, is indeed an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. However, the third definition is simply a wonder, marvel. 
I know that for myself, I routinely degrade what is natural, what is all around me all the time. Not by any purposeful act, but by a lack of attention. Because it is natural. Because it presents itself without fanfare or solemn introduction in the course of a normal day. Because I am distracted by my own thoughts and worries and desires. Because I need more practice paying attention. I take it all for granted. I treat it as background to the ongoing drama and or tedium and or both of the details of my life in which I choose to be wrapped, sometimes so tightly wrapped that I am insulated and isolated from the marvels and wonders that surround me every single day. And because the distance from the world I often experience in my waking slumber and the world I am able to experience in those precious moments of wakefulness when I am actually seeing what is in front of me, when I am paying attention, because that distance is so great, it sometimes feels like the only word that suffices to make up the difference and describe what I see is miracle. Everything's a miracle. Everything is holy now. If I notice, if I am paying attention. It used to be a world half there, Peter Mayer sings, heaven's second-rate hand-me-down. Now I walk it with a reverent air because everything is holy now. Let us go with a sense of awe, says Gordon McKeeman, a feeling of approaching the powerful holy whose lightning slashes the sky, whose persistence splits concrete with green sprouts, whose miracles are present in every place and moment. Why, who makes much of a miracle, Walt Whitman asks. As to me, I know of nothing else but miracles. Before I point beyond all this, I, for myself, need to point to all this and remind myself of what is. And even that is not quite the whole story, is it? I realize that I am speaking from a privileged perspective experiencing none of the oppression, discrimination, violence, humiliation, degradation, and alienation that all too many people face in this society, it can come off as more than a little saccharine to be saying, isn't life just full of miracles? Shouldn't we all just be grateful every day? I realize also that many are experiencing personal struggles, challenges, losses, that the things which call our attention away are not always idle choices or thoughtless routines, but sometimes howling necessities, that the demands of the everyday can feel overwhelming, consuming time and energy and even hope leaving precious little space to stop and smell whatever roses may line the paths we trudge along. Miracles must be understood in this context, too. And there is that passage in our hymnal, which I found I had memorized by accident. 
the words kept coming to mind, and I started using the beginning of this passage as a sound check before the service. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations. And then I noticed some members of the sound team using them as a sound check, which I found delightful. And it reminds me I need to get them in the pulpit. (laughs) But the full reading is, may we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but connected in mystery and miracle to the universe to this community, and to each other. You may notice that I pulled the title for this sermon from this passage, Mystery and Miracle. And as I had those words running through my head, as it was inscribing itself, at least for a time, on the subway walls of my memory, I remember thinking about that passage connected in mystery and miracle. Is that redundant, I wondered? Did the author, who is anonymous, by the way, in case you want to read other works by this person, (laughs) did the author use mystery and miracle simply for the power of alliteration? Or was it more intentional than that? I have come to see it as intentional. Miracle implies something that is positive, something that we would welcome into our lives, something that strikes us with reverent wonder. Mystery is a little more open-ended than that. Mysteries can be beautiful, and they can be painful, and they can be both at once. One of the things that always puzzled me growing up when I heard the stories around my grandmother's kitchen table of a person's recovery from a life-threatening illness or people surviving what by all reasonable accounts was a deadly car accident or the unlikely set of circumstances that kept a person from being somewhere at a certain place and time that would have proved disastrous, stories that always included phrases like, wasn't that a miracle? Or that was just a miracle. What puzzled me was, why can't those miracles happen for everyone? What about the other people? What about those stories that were also told of illness and death and accidents and estrangement where nothing miraculous happened to avert the pain or to transform the tragic circumstances? Life is miracle and mystery. I have a desire to tidy it up, to translate it into oversimplified cause and effect, to universalize my own experience into that's the way it is, to imagine that I have some control over it, but the fact is it is completely beyond my ability to predict What is it that allows a person to rebound from devastating circumstances while another life is crushed under the weight of sadness and depression? What is it that creates that particular moment that leads an addict to find recovery? And why can't it happen for all those who suffer the pain of addiction? 
What is it that allows for that moment of reconciliation between loved ones who are estranged, while in another case the estrangement outlives the people involved? What is it that provides the space for what can only be called a miracle in one case, while in another case the desperately sought for miracle does not materialize? What is it that allows a person to keep going when all seems lost, while another who seems graced with possibility and promise gives up the journey? What is it that determines the circumstances of our existence set amidst the grandeur of the whole, that sets the rhythm of life and death while we try our best to keep time, that holds us all and all that was and is and all that will be? That is mystery. What finally can we say? Anything, any anger, any hope, any fear, any joy, any request, any word that comes from the depth of being addressed to being itself. Or perhaps nothing. No complaint, no request, no entreaty, no thanksgiving, no praise, no blame, no pretense of knowing or not knowing. Simply be in the intimate presence of mystery, unashamed, unadorned, unafraid, and in the end say, wait a minute. I remember Jen Bassage Peace in the coming of age service in 2013, ending her presentation with a pause and then one word. Awesome. It was said with some humor, which I always appreciate. And it also seemed to take the place of a traditional amen. I've remembered it almost every time I've encountered an amen since. I like it because rather than affirming the truth of what has been said or calling for a particular outcome, as in so may it be, it can be used to simply acknowledge the mystery and miracle, the wonder and marvel of what is. So let me end by saying we welcome and celebrate the good in life, and we suffer and mourn the losses, and we know that through it all we are not isolated beings, but connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. And let the congregation say, awesome. Awesome.